0: to be here this morning and to lead in worship. I do want to share with you that I think a lot of most of you already know this. Um, when we came back in April, um, we, we were so excited about being here and still thankful for the opportunity. Um, during the month of May, we had two things that started coming up for us. Uh, number one, uh, I'm a type two diabetic and I started having some issues getting my blood sugar under control. I don't know if some of you are familiar with that. And also an issue with high blood pressure. And uh, was getting ready for an outpatient procedure. And my cardiologist said, we can't do this. We, we, um, you're you're going to have to do some stuff or we're going to let you do anything like that. So I've been scheduled twice for a nuclear stress tests, and Bobby, <laughs> Steve, know about this. We kicked can down the road <laughs> twice, uh, but we are having it July 23rd. So <laughs> you guys uh, know what we'll do it that time. I am happy to report. I went to the doctor. Was there Monday with Brandon and i lost 12 pounds, and my blood pressure—my blood pressure was around about 160 over 100, staying there. And not coming down, and it was down to 135 over 92. So, great <laughs> blessing. Less and then, uh, like so many entities, uh, we, we went through a crisis starting in May with Power. Um, we had to start putting people on three or four week waiting lists for service, uh, not being able to get people. And so, we had to address that. Uh, at Homestead, we we are doing better. We're so thankful we're starting to see uh, the ability to get the quality. Uh, For us, we have a long screening process. We narrow them down. Typically average about 100 applicants a month and usually uh, accept about six out of 100. But that has gone, uh, during the past year, from about 100 down to about 35. Uh, so it, it's been a, it's been a challenge, but we're starting to see it turn around. So at the end of May, I, I met with the leadership and, and met with Bobby and, and uh, Steve and Tim. I said, "Guys, I'm enjoying this, but I just can't get everything done." And uh, you know, I, I and and that's that's the truth. I thoroughly enjoy it, and so. For that reason, next Sunday will be our last Sunday in the interim. Uh, I, I know that it, it puts an inconvenience, and I, I do—I deeply regret this. It's an inconvenience to two groups here within the church. One is the Josh transition team because they have to get together and refocus and make decisions about what they're going to do in, in the process, and also the pastor's team. And uh, they, they will have to be in that process and have been working already on, on that seeking an interim. and interim. Uh, and, and I know you'll pray for both of them. Now, I want to say this, and I want to say it loud and proud. <laughs> I do not regret being at Forest Heights Baptist Church. Uh, you, the past 90 days, have been a blessing to share in Uh We just have been blessed by being here. We, we don't have a minute's regret about being here. Uh, and and hopefully make friends that we'll carry. The second thing I want to say to you is, and I'm going to, I'm going to share this from the text in just a minute, is that God's in control. Uh, you, you, you know, we we don't know on this side what the Lord's doing. I, I could share with you, we were talking about Nicholson, and I I can point out three interims in the past five years. Uh, We served two and a half years at Clouds Creek. They called a pastor, and he resigned in three months. (laughs) And uh, so it threw that church into looking. And in November, I, I ended the interim in April of 2018. In November 2018. We were sitting down in a a staff meeting and Blake Ivy. The worship pastor called me and said, I feel like God's calling me to be a pastor. And I recommended him to Cloud Free. That church is running out of rocking chairs in the nursery. Mm -hmm. Uh, They they don't have enough, they have seven to eight bed babies. And God is just, you know, He has a time. At Nicholson, we decided told Jay Talbert, told Steve that our dear friend went home to be with Laura, I said, we, we need to be there a year, but when we transition out of the school year, we'd gone through the COVID shutdown. We were shut down three months, did everything online, stayed in touch. I said, guys, that's a good time for transition, told the pastor search team three months before that. And uh, my last Sunday was August of uh, 2000, I can't remember now, 2000. Yeah, 19. No, 20. <laughs> 20, and then uh, already been to start talking with Russ Dixon. Uh, excuse me, Russ Brown. <laughs> and you know, some of you already know the story. That church has gone from 100 to 350 in eight months. Uh, almost too fast. Um, and, and so the point I'm telling you all that is God's doing something. He, he's got a purse he's got everything in his hands so he knows exactly what he wants uh, so we look forward to being with you uh, here in these next two Sundays and very very thankful know that there is a if needed an interim, and there's a pastor and with the right leadership God has a, a plan for the church the opportunity is If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to take them and turn with me to Acts chapter 15. We're going to begin reading in verse 36. I want to bring you a message this morning that's meant a lot to me across the years. And it's, uh, our plan B is often God's plan A. Our plan B is often God's plan A. Now I want to just take some time this morning to just expositionally walk you through parts of this text to see it. And this is actually the beginning, the 15th chapter of the book of Acts, is the beginning of what we call the second missionary movement. The Jerusalem Council had met the church at Jerusalem to deal with an issue, and that issue was whether or not new converts who were Greek would be circumcised and the decision had been made that they would not. So the church had used the apostles, or had the vehicle of the apostles to carry this message throughout all the places where people had come to Christ. And Paul and Barnabas had stayed for a period of time at a church. People say, what church would you like to go visit in the New Testament? The church I would like to go see which I believe is probably one of the most important churches, is the church in Antioch. It was the mission-sending church on a coastal area where God just had exploded the church to probably, by this time, twenty five or 30,000 people. And so they stayed there for a period of time, and now they're getting ready to launch and go out again and share the gospel. Let me pick up with you in verse 36. And then some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit the brethren in every city that we have preached the word of of the Lord and see how they're doing. Verse 37. Now, Barnabas was determined to take with him John Mark. John Mark is, uh, uh, is the one that wrote the gospel of Mark. But Paul, look at verse number 39, but Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who departed from them in Pamphylia." Now, I want to stop just a moment. John Mark had, uh, during the conflict at Pamphylia, had pulled back. He essentially said, I'm out. (laughs) He said, I don't want to be a part of this. And so this conflict arose between Barnabas and Paul. Look at verse uh, 39. Then a contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. So Barnabas took uh, Mark and sailed to Cyprus, which at Cyprus became a launching point for other missionaries to go out, verse uh, 40. But Paul chose Silas and departed, uh, being commended by the brethren, by the grace of God. So they, they went two different directions. Now I just wanna take a moment to, to talk about this You know, a lot of times we think uh, that, uh, well, if we're going to see God at work, then there will never be any conflict. I want to share with you that a lot of times people say, man, I'd love to be in the New Testament church. Can I tell you that if you were in the New Testament church, there was a lot of contention. There was a lot of issues that had to be settled. And for us who are followers of Christ, uh, our lives are never for free of conflict. A friend of mine says we never free ourselves from conflict. We manage it in our life. And, and particularly uh, talking about churches, when churches decide to go on mission and reach people from Christ, uh, a lot of times it creates those issues. And so Paul and Barnabas had that. The disagreement was uh, Barnabas said, we need to take John Mark. Paul said, no. Now the second thing I want you to see in this text is, God in his sovereignty used that separation for his glory. What happened was, John Mark would go on to Cyprus, Many scholars believe it was in the next two years that he would have the time either through personally writing it down or through an amanuensis. An amanuensis was a secretary who would write down the words that John Mark gave the Gospel of Mark. And what God did in Paul's life in in Acts chapter 16 was, he went on to discover A young man named Timothy and Timothy would become pastor of probably the most significant church in the New Testament the church at Ephesus so God had a plan so as we look at this text we see how the Lord was at work in the midst of his people now if you go on through the rest of the text Look at verse, uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to skip uh, verses uh, 1 through, uh, down through 5, and I want you to see uh, verse verse five, uh, 6 with me. Now, when they had gone through Piteria until the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Now, who is they? The they was Paul and Silas. When Paul went and separated from Barnabas, he picked up Silas as his partner in mission. And as they went on through, it tells us that Paul wanted to preach the word in Asia. Now, just in studying yesterday and uh, studying this text for years, I went back to this and when it says the word Asia, we think about China or we think about Southeast Asia, or we think about another region. When the Apostle Paul was talking about Asia, in that day, he was probably talking about the region along the Aegean coast. If he had gone down to what is the region beyond the Aegean coast, it would have led him in to a city called Ephesus and it was not time to be in Ephesus. If he had gone to Ephesus at this time, the church probably would not have been formed. So what happened was, as you go on through the text,
1: that was his desire.
0: He wanted to preach the word to Asia, and after they came to my Asia, they tried to go into Bithynia. They wanted to go on into that region of Bithynia, but the Spirit, listen to what it says, the Spirit would not permit them. Now we don't know the vehicle that the Holy Spirit used. Whether it was a vision, whether it was a direct word, or whether it was an impression. But somehow, according to uh, verse number 7, the Spirit of God said no. The door was closed. So passing by Maesia, they came to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night, saying, A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And now he had seen the vision immediately, and we saw, and by the way, when he's talking we, Luke went with him. Luke, the writer of Acts, went with him. We, Luke, and the rest of them, went with them to go to Macedonia and concluding the Lord had called them to preach the gospel to them. Now here's what I want you to see. A door closed. Paul's desire was to go to Asia and then to go to Bithynia. But that was not God's plan god's plan was for him to go to macedonia in the route to macedonia it would take him to a city called philippi and there the gospel would be preached in the region of philippi and the church at philippi would be established first now if you look at the order of what god was doing philippi had to be established before the rest of these churches could be established. Why? Because it was a base. So God directed. But Paul didn't get his first wish. He didn't get his plan A. He got his plan B. Now i to ask you a question. In your life, have you ever gone down a door, gone through what you thought was the right door, or the open door, and said, that's the way I need to go? And the door was closed. And when that door closed, you may have been angry, you may have been mad, you may have been disappointed. You may have said, I don't know what's going on. But then, a plan B opened up. And God opened that door. And you went down the door that God opened. Maybe your plan B is, for, for many of us, retirement. You thought retirement, you went into retirement, you saved, you did whatever, and when you hit 65, 66, 70, whatever age you hit, you said, I'm retired. This is what it's going to be. We're going to travel. We're going to do the Viking River (laughs) Cruises. We're going to take our grandchildren. We're going to go to different places. We're just going to have a ball. And then retirement turned entirely different. Health took a different way. Financial needs became different. Life became entirely different. Or maybe your plan B was, you were engaged to be married to someone. Miss Ruth Graham said she almost married the wrong person three times. <laughs> and you felt like the love of your life would be the one you married, and it fell apart, and then plan B opened up. <laughs> I was preaching this message several years ago, and a lady walked out, and said, meet plan B. <laughs> So, <laughs> because many times what we think should be the primary part of our life is not. Uh, God has another plan and sometimes we don't see it. So, so what do we do whenever our dreams and what we prayed over and what we saw doesn't materialize? And as you look back you see the door has been closed tim keller uh, uses this illustration in pastoring for four years in the mountains i i, I know what he's talking about when you go up a road in the mountains all you see is the curves are going up but then when you get at the top of the mountain you look down and you see where you've been and you see how the uh, roads have curved back and forth. And if you look at the book of Exodus, and, and look at the book of Exodus and the book of Joshua and Judges, uh, God's road for them wasn't a straight line, it was a zigzag. So what happens when your life zigzags? What happens when things in your life seem out of control? What happens sometimes when things, and I, after pastoring, I know this, we, we plan and we strategize and we go down this road and then God says no you're going this way let, let me share with you I just want to make these application principles uh, it, it, as we look at this because um, I think they're important to apply this uh, to our lives number one the plan B in our lives um are personal. They're based on our relationship with the Lord. For us who are followers of Christ, it's not like some impersonal empirical plan is out there just ruling us, but it involves our fellowship with God and personal interaction with Him. And telling you all those things at the front end of the message. I will tell you that the thing that I didn't say was there um, are always hours of praying and brokenness and seeking. And this is what happened in Paul's life. Uh, he, he, he came to the point, and, and I wish we could uncover all of that in verse 7, but he said the Spirit of God would not permit them. Now, Paul was a very willful guy. He was a determined guy, but whatever happened, and tonight, uh, bring, bring, a, I'm going to encourage you to bring a pen, a pencil, my friend Jay Strack says lipstick or mascara, because we're going to, te- I'm going to go through the doctrine of the Holy Spirit tonight. I think it's one of the things we're, we're just neglecting in the church today, and we're, we're going to go through and teach that tonight. Um. It says the Holy Spirit of God intervened and closed the door. Let me, let me tell you this. God not only speaks to us when he opens the door, but God speaks when he closes doors. When he directs us in another way, he doesn't just do that impersonally. He directs us now. I, I want to say this this morning. Sometimes, we choose what we think is plan A when God wants us to go into plan B. We choose Asia when he wants us to go to Macedonia. Uh, you may have had this happen to me. It's happened to me. I don't want to go in and take 30 minutes to tell you the story. When you make the wrong choice, I want to just bring this to you. The best thing to do is to repent, ask God to forgive you, and go back and ask Him to use closed doors. Plan B leads us to dependency on the Lord. It leads us to dependency on the Lord. What happens is when what we think is the first door that should be opened closes and God redirects us, He reminds us again that we're not in control. That His plan is greater than our plan. And what happens is A lot of us who are type A, hard-charging personalities, that we want to get it done. What God has to tell us is, you're not going to get it done. I'm going to do it through. And I'm going to bring you to the point where you understand that you're dependent upon me. One of the passages that has meant so much to me over the past few years is... Paul's description in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. And for the sake of time, I, I, I'm not going to go over there and read it. But it, it, the context of it is, as Paul was writing the second letter to the church at Corinth, he had talked about having a vision and being called up into the third heaven. But he said, I don't boast in that. And he said, I don't boast because I have a thorn of weakness in my life. Now, we're never told what the thorn of weakness is. Some people believe he was partially blind and could not see. But we don't know what it is. But he said later on, what I have learned, and I love it in verses 9 and 10, I have learned that when I am weak, he is strong. That in my dependency upon him, I have learned that God is at work and that when I'm at my point, listen, folks, I want to share this with you. When I'm at the point that I'm the most dependent, the most broken, the most saying to God that I'm in need, that's the point that the Lord says, I'm going to be strong for you. So when a door is closed, we learn that we're in the hands. Of a sovereign God, and so what he what he learned was this. He said, "You close the door, and and uh, and I I want to uh, I, I'm going to open the door number three, Our time's gone. We we cannot. I, and I had seven applications, and I got down to have a three. <laughs> Uh, and, and, and so I want but these are the three that mean a lot we, listen to this application we cannot grieve over losing plan A what we perceive is right and miss the blessing of plan B do you know that there are followers of Christ who their whole life have had one mistake, one thing that happened to them and it could be a significant It could have been a detour, divine detour in life. And whenever that happens in their life, they grieve for all their life. Their whole focus of their life becomes, when I missed it. Well, look what happened when this door was closed. And they stay angry and bitter about it. And they miss the blessing of what God is doing by opening the second door, the Macedonian door. But you, we can't focus our lives on something being thrown a curveball by the Lord. We have to focus our lives on God. You're in control. And in Paul's life, look, look at what. Let me just read the end of this verse as we're making this application. Look at verse ten. And now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we, Luke being with him, we saw to go to Macedonia. Paul had learned by that time, shut it down, follow God. And concluding that the Lord had called in us to preach the gospel to them. So there was a certainty. I've got this plan B. Now I'm going to serve the Lord in this plan B. I, I'm not, I'm going to get now. When we go through a grief process, it takes time. When you lose something, it takes a while to process it. But eventually, in that process, folks, we move on. We say, God, you're in control. Uh, back in 1985, I went to serve pastor of First Baptist Church, Batesburg, South Carolina, 29 years old. We ordained, my first few months there, a 29-year-old deacon named Randy Fox. Great guy. He, he is one of my lifetime friends. He had, met, he, he had never married another lady in Lakesburg, Judy Turner. They met, fell in love, developed a friendship, and uh, we ordained Randy a deacon. Six months later, we, we, I performed the wedding for Randy and Judy fox then church pack everybody loved them just a great couple a year later uh actually a few months later they discovered they were going to have a girl a little girl in fact then the technology is better now but they did a a study and that something didn't look quite right and so when this precious little girl was born uh, and she had Uh, trisomy 13. Now some of you are experts in this. I'm not. But I do know that each one of the trisomy syndromes means that either an X chromosome or a Y chromosome is missing. Any child that is born with trisomy is born to die. They will not live long. And that was the case with this little girl. In fact, I, I, it's like yesterday, I remember, it was in April, we were doing a revival at our church. It was the last night of revival. my cousin, William Carrie Hedgepeth, is preaching. By the way, he's 81 years old, still preaching. You can catch him on cable television, maybe the work ministry, if you wanna watch him. He's still going strong. But Carrie was doing a revival, and they came in at the end of the revival, and uh, said, uh, Randy and Judy's baby has died. And I mean, it was like, you guys have probably been through the same thing here. It was like the whole church group When we lost that baby. A year later, Randy and Judy came to our home and they had been to see uh, geneticists and talked to them about it. They had another child. Um, What what, what would they have another trisomy baby? That's a logical question. They gave them this answer, we think there's a 70% chance you'll have a normal chore, but we can't guarantee it. And their question was, do we take the risk? We can't go through this again. We can't go through this again. And they did. Took the risk, and a year later, their daughter Madison was born. The next year, Ariel was born. Beautiful, beautiful girls. Back in 1995, I was preaching homecoming there, and Randy and Judy came and walked both those girls up front. Said they'd both been saved, but we wanted them to come make it public this morning. And uh, so a week ago. The oldest daughter of Madison got married. It, I've never seen parents more proud. <laughs> These parents were obnoxious. <laughs> they covered Facebook, they covered everything with pictures of this girl. I mean, it is, I mean, just crazy. And Sherry and I were laughing about it. But I told Sherry, listen, I said, Sherry. When you have that kind of loss, and you recover and find another blessing, it brings a double joy. Now, why are you telling us that long story? Because this. Whenever you and I find and go down plan B path, and it's different than what we originally planned, and we see God's blessing, it's like a double blessing. Why? Because we say, God, you gave it to us. I'm going to tell you this. Brother Rick, every morning I get the preach. <laughs> I don't care if it's 25 or, or 5,000. I say, Lord, thank you. Because it's a blessing. Every time. My life was interrupted in 2004. I was supposed to be a mega church pastor the rest of my life. I wasn't that funny. that door was closed. But I tell you what, plan B's been good. who been good? I've so enjoyed it. Here's the point. When God has a second plan for your life, you and I are to obey and enjoy. It leads us to dependency on him. Their blessings here. God is going to bless this church. There, I, I, you folks think I'm telling you stuff, but his term, Bobby said, boiling smoke. <laughs> but it, 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 there's twists and turns. But God's got a plan. Let's stand up and, and just for a moment. Thank you for listening. We're a little bit over time. Uh, I We've all got stuff to do. I've got to be at Grace Chapel Fellowship just a little bit. And, uh, I, I want to just ask you to pray right now for just a moment. And I want to ask you, I would be neglectful if I did not say you. We believe, it is about eyes closed. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. What does that mean? That means that without accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, that there will be an eternity of separation from him. Jesus called it, gave the place of the trash, a smoldering heat. But the reality is, without accepting the grace and the gift of God, we are eternally separated from him. But the rest of that verse is, but the gift of God is eternal life. And by what Jesus did at the cross, he offers us life. Not only life here, but life eternal. If you're here this morning and there's a possibility that you have never yet received Jesus the Savior of your life, I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I've sinned. I know I'm not praying. And I need to be forgiven. Thank you for paying for my sins on the cross. I accept Jesus as my Lord. In his name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I want to invite you to come and be here. So, Danny, everybody's home. Folks, one Sunday morning, we gave that invitation. Our Sunday school director got saved. You know, God to be saved so if you pray that prayer you come this morning if you need to pray about anything else you come as we sing together I surrender